0: Hello everyone and welcome to another special episode of the Geek Warning Podcast, brought to you by the Escape Collective. This week's special episode is another Ask a Wrench edition where our members send us their questions on all things related to tech and maintenance, and our resident geeks draw on our 50 plus years of collective professional experience to give you what are hopefully anyway uh, useful and helpful answers to not only get your bike back up and running, but hopefully make it better than ever in the process. I'm joined today by my fellow tech editor at Escape Collective, Dave Rome. Hi, Dave. Hello. Uh, and we also have former pro mountain bike race mechanic and now service director at Hush Money Bikes in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Brad Copeland. Hi, Brad. Thanks for having me back, guys. It's great to have you back. Quick note, if you are listening to this right now, it means you're not currently an Escape Collective member, so you unfortunately won't be getting the full episode of this or any other special members-only geek 20 episodes which will run every other week on top of the usual free-to-everyone show, and will include stuff like these super informative Ask and Ranch episodes, deep dives into various tech topics, interviews with industry luminaries. But hopefully you'll like what you get to hear from us today, and if you decide you'd like to hear and read more from us, you can head over to escapecollective.com slash join to get yourself a membership. Even better, we're actually running a promo right now where you can get your first month for just one dollar, And that single dollar will not only get you the full episode of this special Geek Warning episode, but every episode of Geek Warning along with all of the outstanding written content you'll find on escapecollective.com and access to our members-only Discord channel where I promise you, people actually don't yell at each other. It's kind of a miracle these days. Uh, Just enter the promo code PODCAST to take advantage of the offer, and we'll hopefully see you right back here. Brad, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but what exactly got you into working on bikes anyway?
1: Uh that's a good question. I um I got really into bikes when I was about five years old. I remember walking down the hall in my elementary school and seeing a book that was just called BMX in some other kids' hands on the way to the library and it uh had quite an exciting looking cover photo with some guy with some Skyway mags on a BMX bike from about 1984 and uh just hooked me and I had a bike that looked like that and just became really kind of fascinated with that and started filling around my own bike and developed an obsession with like reading magazines and just absorbing everything. And it was like, you know, coming from having a simple kid's bike to uh, suddenly reading like mountain bike action and these other magazines of the day that were very tech heavy with a lot of colorful images of types of bikes I'd never even seen or knew existed before just really captured my, I guess, my fascination at a young age. And so by the time I was about 12 or so, I was asking them questions at the bike shop that they couldn't answer and kind of sometimes knew more about stuff because I was just reading it obsessively. You know, you know how it is being in a shop. You don't always necessarily care or hear about everything anymore. And I'm guilty of that too. But, uh, probably in my early teens, I was the most knowledgeable I ever was. And, uh, it was all, all part of the early obsession. So about age 12 is when I officially began to work in a bike shop for like store credit, doing shop rat things. And, uh, that's the short, the shorter story, but it's been a kind of lifelong obsession ever since.
0: So the beginning of the end came early it did. for you. It did. Yeah, my parents are like, <laughs>
1: yeah, you shouldn't necessarily do all this. And I was like, ah, I think so. Um, there were definitely some years where it didn't seem like it was going to be as, uh, I don't know, I would call it like fortuitous, but uh, it worked out better than it maybe it could have. Um, we're, uh, we're smiling now, but there were some years where my parents thought I should maybe focus on other things. Oh, that sounds well, very you know, familiar. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think there are plenty of us out
0: there though uh, that are happy that you found that. Thank book. you, Mr. and Mrs. Copeland. I'm sorry, <laughs> your son has turned out just <laughs> Uh Dave. I've been off for the last couple of weeks, so I haven't gotten to ask you this question for mm-hmm. a little bit. I'd like to know about your latest tool purchase, or since it's been a couple of weeks, I should probably say purchases, since I'm sure there's been more than one. My issue with writing
2: about tools now and having a, a regular column for tools is that uh occasionally people mention things that i might have tried in passing but can't really remember how they rate and compare and i end up being like i really should have an opinion on that so i end up buying things so uh last night i bought three new phillips screwdrivers which i am very <laughs> confident are not as good as the ones <laughs> i already have but i i need them to make a point about it yeah i don't know this this column is wasting my money <laughs> Dave, at what point is this job going to actually cost you money? Oh, uh, it's already way, way beyond that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I remember working for a for a distributor like I don't know more than ten years ago, and uh, I was living at home, so that helped. But I think I was like top fifty customers in Australia for the distributor, just on like my staff account. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's expensive to to be in this role <laughs> for me.
0: It's expensive to work for a skate collector. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, we've got a pretty big list of member-submitted questions to get through today, so uh, I think without further delay, let's go ahead and dive in, shall we? Our first question comes from James in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, It said, hi folks, long-time listener, first-time caller. James has got a set of Weira hex keys and loves them, but needs a set of hex bits for his torque wrench. The various hex bits he's had at the bottom of his tool bag are not cutting it, go figure doesn't like to have a set of torch bits as well. Uh, what kind of suggestions do we have for James? Uh, Brett? I know you're our special guest today, but I'm going to start with Dave on this one because I think it's safe to say that he very much has an opinion on it. No yeah, doubt. I, think, I think Brad has a very valid
2: opinion as well. I think our opinions might align quite, quite closely as well. For that demand, I would, I'd probably name two brands, which is PB Swiss and Vera. Uh, PB Swiss for me, I I tend to experience better durability from, and depending on the bolt, better fitment from. Uh, especially like uh, yeah, some sometimes like the PB Swiss Torx bits can actually be too tight fitting, so like they won't fit into all say uh, zip stem bolts is one that comes to mind. Uh, whereas Vera sort of tends to be a little bit uh, as long as you stay away from their their holding function bits, which actually uh, have a, like a taper to them uh yeah, they tend to be a bit more uh, forgiving in ter- terms of what they'll fit. So uh yeah, I'd say pick one of those and away you go. Brad,
1: I'm I'm keen to hear what you've been using. Well I think Dave and I found each other because we do share a mutual uh fascination with lots of the same things. And so there's kindred yeah. you too. <laughs> uh, whether whether it's a coincidence or not, um is a is another story, but I think in this case probably our experience has led us to the same conclusions. Uh, I personally use PB Swiss bits. One of the most recent, speaking of Dave's recent tool purchases, the most recent tool purchase for me was the Abby bit holder, Abby bike tools mm-hmm. just came out with oh, a yeah, yeah. Uh, lovely little aluminum one, a little bit more durable and just with a s- nice strong magnet in it's, it. yeah, magnet in there. So they don't fall out and they kind of, just feels like all Abby things just has a nice quality, um, finish to it. Also I would, you know, in my box personally, I keep, and in my drawer at the shop uh pb swiss but i have used the the Wera stuff as well and it's super good and maybe if you've already got a set of Wera, you know l or whatever hex keys you have at home maybe if you want to keep it matchy and maybe earn some style points you can keep it all in the family and keep uh, a set of bits from Wera as well
2: yeah i mean that that abby bike tools uh bit holder is is totally extra as mm-hmm. far as things yeah. go like it's just beyond but uh it's super nice and if you're yeah if you're looking for a lovely bit holder i mean that's that's hard to beat and you can buy it from them empty or you can buy it with weirer bits in it that might actually be a nice option if you if you're looking to treat yourself this time of year stocking stuffer for your yeah yes yes exactly. exactly and the magnet and that's awesome like it's strong enough that it'll it'll hold the whole bit holder onto like anything yeah any any sort of steel surface but it'll it's also then strong enough to like hold the driver that you you plan to use with that bit holder so it's a it's a very nice feature but uh yeah, if you're looking for something a bit more portable, then my favorite little bit holder is uh, from PB Swiss again. They do a little 10-bit plastic holder that's just a straight line of bits, and those are, are super nice with how, how smoothly they let go of the bits. So,
0: yeah, a few, a few options there to consider. I've got a question for the two of you, actually. Mm. So I think it's pretty easy to recommend uh, one of those two bit sets when they're new. Uh, however, for people who are regularly using this stuff, either in a shop setting or in a home setting, what about longevity in the sense that even top-notch stuff doesn't last forever so how is someone to know when their beloved bits
1: might be starting to be worn out i would say if you're starting to experience some loose fitments or if you could actually see i mean i think this is kind of common on the t25 when you start to see it kind of under its own torque kind of start to spiral out of uh, center a little bit i mean you have to kind of consider the application of these bits too in a certain way and how much torque you're applying because that on a bit like we're talking about they're so nice and the steel quality is so good that it takes a lot of effort to really do that but if you're if you're working with some like i don't know more economy pricing kind of bits that aren't maybe quite as nice or the tolerances aren't as perfect you might start to see some wear or distortion in the bits that could suggest it's time but even then you have a little life left in them i mean some of the tools across the shop at other workstations uh, in my shop are uh, probably due for replacement but they're still in use right now
2: yeah, uh, I'd say like something like a PB Swiss bit. I mean, I'm I'm absolutely making up this figure, but I'd I'd uh, assume it gets about 10 times the lifespan of like a cheap generic bit that comes with most torque wrenches or or comes with most bit-based tools. So, it, it really is quite an impressive little product. But yeah, I mean, on top of what Brad says, I mean, normally you you experience wear on the bit and and on your hex keys or on your torque skis at like the very edge of the the tool tip because that's sort of you know you're, you're normally putting the most strain on those on like really shallow fasteners so yeah for me you can you can either get like a an accurate caliper and you can tend to measure the difference between their very edge of the tool and then a little bit further up the spline or you can uh, you can visually see the difference sometimes there's a few ways to tell and then you can enter those figures into the spreadsheet that I'm sure everyone keeps at home, yeah. just like you do, Dave. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's the next tab along <laughs> from tracking your chainware with digital calipers would be uh, your hex bit tr- uh, sizing tracking.
1: Oh, my. You could also then track the, <laughs> the calibration of your various digital calipers by seeing how they read over time, too. If there's, you know, that, yes. that's your interval for uh, sending it back for calibration. Yes, based on your international oh, standard Rugby right. Swiss
2: exactly. 5 millimeter key as your, <laughs> as your uh, calibration block. Right. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. geez. All right. I'm going to cut this discussion <laughs> off on this part because even we have gone too far into the weeds now. All right. Moving on to the next question. This one comes from, uh, actually, I, 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 would, I would say this is a friend of the podcast, Kevin Budhew. He's sent us several questions in the past. Kevin's crockpot that he uses for chain waxing is still about three quarters full with his Silca Super Secret Melt Wax. His drip bottle of the Silca wax has a few more applications left, and he's thinking that if he has read Dave's and uh, the Escape Collective Discord tech channels correctly, he thinks UFO Ceramic Speed UFO drip stays cleaner longer than Silca. So he's wondering if he can effectively immerse his chains in Silca melt uh, hot melt wax and then use ceramic speed UFO for top-ups without compromising the UFO's quote, cleaner, unquote, qualities.
1: Hmm, what do we think? Yes. I'll um, defer to Dave on this. I haven't used the Silca hot wax in the Crock-Pot myself. No, you can
2: definitely do this. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's... Uh, any of the high-quality drip waxes will work as a as a top-up lube on top of, say, Silca or Molten Speed Wax uh, hot melt wax. But yeah, the YI prefer the ceramic speed ufo all conditions i think it's now called yeah uh is it's just simply that it's it's one of as far as drip loops go it's probably the closest thing to hot melt wax uh in terms of its properties and and how hard it sets and how uh clean it runs um so for me it makes sort of the perfect top up loop so yes absolutely you can do that uh and yeah there's very little issue in terms of putting it back in your into your crock pot after that I personally still prefer to pour a little bit of boiling water over, over the chain before putting it back in the crock
0: pot just because it keeps the wax that much cleaner, but you don't have to. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely mix and match a fair bit as well. I mean, I think I'm not entirely sure what I have in my crock pot, uh, <laughs> crock pot at the moment. I, think it's molten speed wax it might be still it's one of those beef stew a bit of fun um, yeah fun too. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit of fun oh is that where that smells coming from okay um but then i, I definitely use a variety of like it's kind of just whichever higher end or higher quality drip wax i have on hand to, to top off from there uh, it hasn't been an issue for me that i've found um dave you're gonna you're gonna smack me for this i know but i do occasionally use squirt mm. i do use squirt i know that you don't regard that as well for a variety of reasons it is kind of stickier and it doesn't run quite as clean however in some conditions i've also found that it lasts a little bit longer Uh, it's only easier to find too so sometimes it's just kind of harder to get some of the other stuff but one thing i wanted to mention i think i've mentioned this in other uh geek warning pods in the past as well if you have that crock pot for example and you have and you're finding that you are running that crock pot for an awfully long time and you're just not going through that much wax keep in mind that you don't have to dump the whole bag into your crock pot um, and you generally don't actually need that much hot melt wax to submerge your submerge chain completely. Uh, so I actually prefer to just not use that much wax in the pot uh, for a couple of reasons. It, it means that if you do contaminate a batch that you're not going to contaminate a whole bag. Uh, it also heats up a lot faster. So I just find that my crock pot is not on for as long. And yeah, when it does eventually get dirty, you just kind of like get rid of the partial bag that you have in there and dump in, dump in a fresh batch and then you're good to
2: go. Or you could go over the top and do what Adam Kieran of Zero Friction Cycling does, which is to run two crockpots. Uh, so you'd split that bag into two, and then the one crockpot becomes your your first dip. So it, it flushes out the wax and kind of, uh, yeah, cleans out the chain. And then the second one is the the clean wax for the, the final thing. Personally... I know that system works. I know people love doing that. But I still would rather just pour boiling water over the chain and then just have one crockpot on the go.
0: Sorry, I did say that we were only going to give you a snippet, did I not? Uh, well, lucky for you, I know you only got about 10 or 15 minutes here. You got about another hour or so that you missed. And if you want to get all of this week's Ask a Wrench special episode of Geek Morning, we're still running a promo. So head on over to escapecollective.com slash join and enter the code PODCAST in all caps at checkout so you can get your first month for just one dollar. I timed the process myself, actually, of signing up, and I can verify that you can actually be back here for the rest of the show in about 90 seconds. So, if you want the rest of the show, quit messing around, sign up, and we'll see you back here in... 90. 89. 88.
1: 87.